Welcome to episode 13 of the Hike or Die Outdoor Adventure podcast. Craig, what is better than one guest? Uh, That's right, two guests. <laughs> Today we have Kaz and Chrissy on the podcast with us from A Wild Land. This is a couple that sold up everything and got on the road and started traveling and they have some absolutely fantastic stories. Mate, I'm going to do a really scary laugh for the uh, 13th episode and then you just start the music, okay? You ready? Hey guys, how you doing? I hope you're not scared off by that demonic laugh. How you doing, Craig? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. How are you, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Okay, we got rid of some listeners there. That's good. Yep. Needed to do a cull. <laughs> Let me start by thanking our sponsors. Without them, uh, a lot of this wouldn't be possible, and we do appreciate it. Bluey Merino supply us with all of our base layers all of our merino wool needs and it is fantastic stuff and it's australian made rios gear provide us with polarized floating sunglasses again they're awesome piece of kit that i absolutely love so check them out give them some love caribbee suppliers of quality backpacks and outdoor gear and last but not least topo maps plus go deeper into the backcountry with their app you can use that app to access all sorts of maps around the world and access to all bunches of bunches of bunches of trails there you go i said it <laughs> craig how you doing mate hey buddy good man how are you <laughs> yeah pretty good are you still you still seem a bit scared from that laugh yeah, you just freaked me out <laughs> <laughs> lucky 13 hey yeah lucky 13 and uh, we actually had some technical issues, which is um, a little bit spooky, right? Yeah, man. I, <laughs> yep, I'm sure it's just a one-off thing, man. That's yeah, not like me. Yeah, we're not we're not one to just skip thirteen. I didn't want there to be episode twelve and then episode fourteen. That's right. not how we roll. Right. As the saying goes, lucky for some. <laughs> so it's lucky for us. True. And those guys are absolute cracking guests, so I can't wait to share that with you guys. Yeah. What's new in news, Craig? Got oh, a, my news. Yeah. Got anything? Mate, I wish I had something. Um, unfortunately, I haven't been out too much since last meeting. I have been, yeah, been pretty busy with work and home stuff. Just enjoyed though some some heavy rain at home, man, and the rain's been epic. Yeah. It's been so good. I've got yeah. my grass is a foot and a half long. Yeah. No, and I thought I thought you were gonna ask me and I thought, oh, what have I got? I've just got the fact that I really loved getting out with the kids in the rain and the puddles and the mud and just how innate it is for us to get outside and outdoors and yeah, some um quality time with 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 a bit of uh awesome weather. Yeah, it comes back to one of my favorite things uh, 
and that is really feeling the environment. And I think jump around in the in the rain. It's great that you're taking your kids out and and saying, oh, just because it's raining, mm. it doesn't mean we have to stay indoors. So I think yeah. that's something that's definitely um, taught mm. to a lot of kids. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I actually love it when it rains like this. I I like doing a workout in the backyard. Um, was it? Uh, oh, I think I mentioned last podcast. I just bought some kettlebells. And I've done two workouts since then. And the second time I was working out, it just started to rain on me and I was pretty wicked. It just kind of cools you off a bit. For sure. But uh, And I like running in the rain too. It's pretty cool. Well, the kids love it. It's like it's nothing else to them to just be... They don't care. They get soaked and they don't. They just don't care. Which is great. Yeah, that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. I think we forget. We start to have this fear of getting wet and uh, as we get older. But uh, it's good. Start them young, mate. Yeah. I knocked off another 10K trail run on Sunday. Oh, okay. And I revisited the dungeon. If you listen to an earlier podcast, yeah. that's a particular section of a half marathon that I did, which has got extreme elevation down and then up. Well, I did 10K version. Well, another organized organized. No, run. no, I just went back. I, oh, okay. So I looked up what the 10K run would have been. Yeah. And I mapped it out uh, in my phone. And then um, and then I went back through and, and did like quite a good time. I was running with someone else because uh, we are training up for a, a different event. And they haven't run in a while. So um, I had to wait a few times. Not having a go at them, just saying. They're just getting back into it and it was brutal uh, elevation. But, yeah, I was waiting and I still did a good time. So, um, hmm. yeah, it feels good. No, feels that's good, nice, man. mate. I listened back and I thought, gee whiz, you did do a pretty oh, <laughs> a serious uh, – I don't know, you think you jumped in the deep end and you did a great job, man. Yeah, I did. And the weird thing is I was thinking about it on the way here is it, it didn't scare me off. It did. It did at the time. And it did for about an hour after. Yeah. I was saying, I'm never going to do this again. But something weird has happened now. So after that, when I ran 10Ks again, I did the best time I've ever done mm. because I know that I've still had fuel in the tank after 21. So um, anyway, I, I don't want to bore people with my trail running, but it, it was nice to get out um, and do that. Uh Oh, big news. Actually, massive news. Probably should have mentioned it on the last podcast, but we just had so much other news to catch up on. Mm. Almost simultaneously, or at least within a few weeks of each other, Salomon released the Speed Cross 5 shoe, a trail running shoe. Really? Um, they, a lot of their... Uh, ads and everything on Instagram was a bright red pair, like the whole thing's red. I haven't seen any of oh, it. So. It looks epic, mate. It looks epic. Um, I'm sure you can get it in black and other colors, but I think they really just went for that red one just yeah. to catch people's attention. So what's the, what's the go? Look, it's hard to know where they've made changes, uh, you know, unless I, I got a pair and actually tried them. I only just recently, as you know, I only just recently invested in 
a second pair of Speedcross 4s. Is that what you run in? Yeah, I do. Well, sometimes I run in a pair of Merrill trail runners as well, yeah. which are super light and they just have a um, – what's the word for it? Is it called a zero drop? It's basically yeah. when you don't have any heel at all. And you just It's just like running normal. Yeah, but the lugs on those Speedcross 4s, I, I have never asked you if that's what you're running in, but they're they awesome, right? Yeah, they are. There's That's the thing is I'm in two minds. Uh, when I run on the trail near my house, it's got some elevation, but it doesn't have uh, actual parts where you'd need great traction. So I can get away with the Merrells. Yeah. But they're a discontinued shoe, but they're still pretty epic. And then, but when I did the 10Ks on Sunday, I definitely took the speed cross because um, I just knew that there are parts where you just don't want to be slipping when you're trying to climb these big hills. Yeah. Now, as I was saying, simultaneously, Merrill have released the Trail Glove 5, which is reminiscent of the old shoe that I've got, which is called the Fuse All Out. I think All Out Fuse or something like that. And it's the one that's discontinued, but the Trail Glove 5 is basically... I'd say it's almost as close as you're going to get to Vibram Five Fingers, but with all the toes joined up. Okay. So it's very, very minimalist. Cool. Uh, very uh, contoured to the foot. So if you look at the sole underneath, it looks like the shape of more of the shape of a foot rather than just a big uh, elongated oval shape. Yeah. Um, I know the speed cross is like that as well, but the, the major difference at least visually, because I don't own both of these shoes yet, <laughs> uh, is the heel. And it's that um, it's that zero drop between the heel and the ball of the foot that is becoming more and more enticing mm. and interesting to me. So I don't know how much longer I will run in the speed cross because of that very reason. Um I'll use it for the technical terrain and I'll I'll keep training in it, but I just don't know. I just can see myself moving towards a more minimalist shoe. And you don't know what's ha happened to the Speedcross 5, what's changed? No, I don't. Sorry, yeah, cool. no. Uh, I mean, visually. Because I got the 4s. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I actually got two pairs of 4s because I wore them so much that because they're so comfortable, I wear them to work and yeah. it's quite a walk each day from the train station to work and back. It's a couple of kilometers. And um, as I've already told you, I've worn, as you, I think you have, yeah, sure. just worn those big lugs off the bottom. It, it doesn't matter when I'm wearing them at work because they're still such a comfortable shoe. But um, I bought a second pair that only touches dirt and I just keep them at home and only run on the trail with them, like not even on the bitumen. Gotcha. So... Uh, I will continue to use them. I still love them. I still rate them very highly, but I just have a gut feel hmm. that I'm going to try out these um, uh, Merrill Trail Glove Fives. Hmm. If anyone out there is running any of this gear, or if you've um, been lucky enough to grab those those new Merrells or the new Speed Cross, drop us a line or anywhere, Instagram, whatever. Let me know what you reckon because I'm sure that uh, everyone else would be pretty keen to hear that. Yeah. Mm.
That's big news. Did you get your number seven? That's what I want to know. Yeah, I do. It's in my bag right behind us. I bought it tonight to show you. Uh-huh. Yeah, I got the uh, uh, GoPro 7 turned uh-huh. up. Turned up. Um, it actually turned up last week, end of last week. And I got it all out, had a look at it. It looks like a extremely well-manufactured piece of equipment. I really like it. Uh, I charged all the batteries. And would you believe I still haven't turned it on? What? Yeah, just haven't. Didn't get. I was just ridiculously busy uh, last weekend, and today I was preparing for this and for our um, our trip, upcoming trip to Tasmania. So it's just been low on the priority list. Yeah, well, that's still pretty exciting, though. Yeah, I've still got time to to break it out and uh, give it a, a run. Super jealous. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, definitely going to be a game changer for this. Up- for this trip yeah cool man yeah uh let's i always do a bit of a google search on uh um just hiking news in general before we hit each episode because i just like to hear what's about and what i'm kind of i've said this in a in a much much earlier podcast what i'm kind of disappointed in is 98 percent of those stories are just people getting lost because that's kind of what pops up hiker gets lost here hiker does this hiker does that someone dies canoeing or whatever but again another um there was the these couple of australian um people got lost i think they were lost for four days um did you hear about that no 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 it was was on the news and everything pretty serious the area that they were in was pretty serious terrain. They started off on the trail. From from what I saw in the interview, they started off on a trail. They think at some point they started to take a an animal um, track, so a bit of an animal highway, and then ended up in a place where they it, it didn't fit any of the. Um, I guess the picture of where they thought they were going to end up and they realized that they were uh, definitely well and truly lost. So they they sat tight and they sat tight for a few days. And I, I mean, I commend these guys for doing that. Uh, I think it's a very smart thing to do. And then eventually they realized um, that they could see down into this valley and they, they could see cattle and... Um, they ended up and, and some kind of a lake or something so they ended up deciding that they had to get out of there and they made their way down and kind of popped out onto this road oh, all good um, they're, they're 100% safe no harm done it's it's really hard for me Craig you know it's hard for me to not I, I, there's so many things I want to say but I don't want to um, be disrespectful of those people but I just see these stories pop up. And, you know, one of their comments was, um, one of their comments was, I think one of their kids said, oh, I think we're going to buy them a, um, a PLB, personal locator beacon, f- so that for the next time they go out. Yeah. And they kind of made the joke, yeah, I think we're going to buy a box of 100. And Is that right? Yeah, you know, and I kind of... Uh, yeah, that's funny, and and I'm so glad they're safe, of course. Uh, but you know, I just go back to the the couple of 
it's it's look it's easy in hindsight to pick faults right and that's not what i'm trying to do here i guess what i'm trying to do is say for everyone else there let's just um let's be happy that they're safe but also let's take a lesson out of this and i think that lesson is have a gps device or maps and a compass hmm. understand where you're going and where you need to be uh take more than take a bit more food and water that you think you need yes yeah. they only had a couple of muesli bars granola bars for a couple of days right and then and then on top of that um put put a price on your life see what it's worth and then have a look at how much your personal locator beacon is and see which one weighs up you know yeah, I think I did hear about it. So, can you give any details where it was? No, because my laptop's back there, right. and I yeah yeah, yeah no was, they, yeah. they said someone was rescued it was near after Melbourne. it was near Melbourne, I think. Several days in the bush. Yeah, they they spent nearly four four days. days. Yeah, four days, and so yeah, with probably no shelter. Uh, no, I'd believe because they, they weren't just, expecting to stay there. They weren't they? expecting. No. no, I think they just had. That's their... one of those typical news reports. That, but it is, and usually it ends bad, and. And it could have ended bad, um, but it could have been avoided. And again, I mean, I keep going back to I'm not trying to have a go at these people, but I'm trying to set yeah. listeners up for success. And that is, hey, these guys made it out. Everything's cool, but please think about a couple of basic things. Um it's going to be a recurring theme, mate, because I'm reading a book at the moment and I'm not going to give it away because I'm not finished yet. Book's time. It's not time for that, <laughs> Craig. Uh, I won't have finished this until the next time we record. And oh, okay. this particular person makes mistake after mistake after mistake that puts them in a position where they uh, are so close to death, it's not funny. Mm. And any one of these things, like the number one, the first mistake he makes is he leaves a, a note to his um, flatmate, uh, his, you know, the people he lives with. Uh, he usually leaves a note of exactly where he's going. And he just wrote the name of the, um, the whole area. Yeah, yeah like right. basically the state. Like, this is where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. he didn't narrow it down. And, and anyway, rant over. Um, I'm I'm happy to hear those guys are safe, but let's just take a little. Let's just take a minute to think about how we can not get in that situation. Yeah, sure. Lesson. Yeah. Uh, wow, I just am so good at putting a downer on things, aren't I? Sometimes. Yeah. I had another point I was going to make. It was just going to be the most happiest point ever, but I kind of lost it. <laughs> we need that now. Yeah, we need it right now, and I didn't write it down. Anyway, Craig's favorite segment of the entire podcast. Box with Tom. That's right. I've only completed one book between the last time we met because it was only a couple of weeks ago. And... I just, it was a fantastic book, American Sniper by Chris Kyle. Why am I talking about a book like that? Cool. Because so many of the 
there's just so much adversity in it, so much that you've really got to, uh, I mean, appreciate how much stress that he's putting the human body under, both mentally and physically, and and being able to perform under that. There's some amazing stuff in there. It's it's um, there's not much hiking related stuff in there. I'd say probably absolute zero. <laughs> but it's not the point. That's what I'm saying. Like, man, just to be clear, books with Tom is doesn't just have to be <laughs> outdoor books. This one I'm saying is worth reading. Now I've st- I still have never seen the film because I quite deliberately wanted to read the book first, and it was a little bit confronting in that it really made me think about mortality and all of that sort of stuff. And it almost had me down for a couple of days. I was just a bit out of thought, out of, out of thoughts. Um, what I was trying to say is I was just a bit out of sorts and I was just kind of uh, overthinking a lot of things. But it is a fantastic book and, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it. It's a good read, man. Mm. Have you seen the film? Yes, but you've put me on the spot. You know what? Can you tell me what happens in the book then? Um, the thing is, it, nothing really happens. It's just a book of um, segments of different the, the training he went through, the different uh, yeah, right, the different battles that he ended up in. But he's basically he's a sniper. Yeah. So his role is to be the sniper. He got the most kills. Uh, recorded kills of any sniper um, in the military at that time. Cool. Uh, and American sniper, it's called. Yeah, because there's all these ones called Shooter and. Oh um, uh, yeah, that's a Mark Wahlberg, Mark Wahlberg movie. Wahlberg really good it? movie. Totally unrelated. I'm gonna get them mixed up, but yeah, think, not hard to get it mixed up. But I do enjoy that kind of thing. So yeah, no, it's it's. Um, I reckon you've probably seen it. Yeah. The thing is, it's it's already. Um, might even be four years old or something. I think it was a 2015 film off the top of my head. Uh, and from everything I've been told, it's a great film. Hmm. Um, I just picked up this book uh, as usual in my local secondhand store and thought, great, I'll read that prior to seeing and that'll make me watch the film. And at least I've got the, you know, the, the proper detail before I watch the Hollywood version. You know what I did? Um, you read a book? <laughs> no. Ah, of course you didn't, mate. <laughs> Bloody idiot. <laughs> I watched a film about Vikings picking up rocks. Oh, did you? <laughs> yes. What was it called? For uh, oh, full, full. I've got full re- strength or full. Yeah, full bore or? it means full strength, but it's in um, Icelandic. You recommended it. I watched Forsterker. Yeah, that's Forsterker. <laughs> Something I, like that. I couldn't turn it off. It was really <laughs> it was unreal. It's good though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um Craig's referring to a film that I mentioned on the last podcast and I put it on uh I put it in the links because it's on uh is it on uh what was that channel called? No, it's on YouTube. Yeah, it's on YouTube, but there's there's a particular channel. It's like a sports and fitness channel and yeah, right. You can you find the trailer know. on there. Yeah, but the whole film is the on whole there. film's on. Yeah, there. it's legit. It's not a ripoff. It's it's on their channel. They made the film. They've decided to put the whole thing up, and it is just extraordinary. It is actually the history 
and the scenery and the stories and these these giant these guys just picking up these things yeah. that weigh as much as a small car or something. I know it's just a big strongman event, but they like, they make it into this. It's got this cultural aspect that I yep. never knew was there. Deep, deep, deep history. It's very cool. It is, isn't Thanks it? for putting me onto that, man. Oh, that's all right. It was a real, uh, what would you say, a curveball, a real odd one. And I wasn't even sure that it, if I wanted to mention it. But reminded me of our Swedish friend. Which Swedish friend? Our good friend um, our Thomas. Sweden. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, it reminded me. Do you reckon he could pick up a rock? I reckon he could pick up um, a rock, yeah. I reckon he Maybe could. Maybe not to that size. I reckon he could throw a few logs around. Yeah. No, but, that, um, it impressive. Was a, yeah, it was impressive. And they were so humble, the guys. They were just really, I felt that as, um, I know it's a documentary, so I don't think characters is the right word. But they had character yeah. and they were really quite lovable straight away. Check it out. Yeah, it's good <laughs> stuff. I'm glad you watched that. That was um, that was fun. I, I sat there and watched the entire thing one night and was just captivated That's by it. That's what happened to me. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a cool movie. Good on you, mate. Uh, moving into your second favourite segment, which is shout-outs. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Speaking of that general vicinity, actually, it's probably a bit southwest of there. Uh, we got an email from a guy called Cohen. I hope that's pronounced correctly. He's from the Netherlands and he's been listening to the podcast and he, yeah, he's just loving it, yeah. which is great. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. There's a couple of funny things he mentioned. He said that uh, he he uh, started laughing on public transport when he was listening to the great coffee sachet saga of 2018. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Is that I, right? Yes. And I wrote back to him and said, mate, that almost tore us apart. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he said he burst out laughing when he was on public transport. I thought that was great. Uh, and uh, <laughs> the the other thing he said was he's got um, a friend that he goes adventuring with and he's he's partly really sad and partly really happy because that friend's moving out to Australia to live. So he's kind of sad to be missing his adventure buddy but at the same time knows that that person's come into a adventure rich environment. So oh, cool. And that's cool. I said, Well, you know, there's always you now you've got an excuse to come out. Hmm. Uh now something interesting, I've heard somebody else talk about this before. I, I can't remember uh who I met that was from the Netherlands, but they were talking about hiking in the Netherlands. Do you know how flat it is there? Have you ever? No. Yeah. When you when someone says to me Netherlands, I straight away picture that Swedish, yeah. Icelandic, yeah. Norway environment. Mountains. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. So, have a guess how high. I'll give you some context just to be fair. 
The highest mountain in Australia is Mount Kosciuszko. Yeah. I almost said Kilimanjaro. That yeah. would have been very yeah. awkward. Mount Kosciuszko, and that's 2,228 metres high. So it's not big on by any stretch of the imagination right. in, okay. in the world. But have a guess how high the highest mountain in the Netherlands is. Yeah, you're going to say like 50 metres, aren't you? <laughs> not, not quite, not quite. Have a guess. Oh, I don't know. They've got... Um, well, I don't know. Glorious out the back here is a, a thousand. Thousand meters. Yep. Yep. Okay. Is that your guess? So I'm guessing. It's actually 322.4 meters high. <laughs> now, to put that in context, again, in three weeks' time, when we go to and we summit Mount Ossa, right. highest mountain in Tasmania, that's 1,617 meters. Yeah, yeah. And again, to put it in further context, Mount Gun Gun is 253 metres high. Right. The so little like, mountain that I can run up in 17 minutes, I it. can run up to the top. That's almost it. Is almost it by, what's that, by sort of 70, 70 metres shy of there, yeah. which is um, Valseberg, I believe, is the name of it. Isn't that hard to comprehend? It's different. I'm used to living in a country that has what I consider very small mountains, but... Lots of ice, though? Like, lots of... Ah, I couldn't tell you. Uh. He said he said something about dunes. I'm not sure what he meant by that. Hmm. Uh, rolling hills, perhaps? Anyway, they actually described Valseberg as more of a hill than a mountain. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Which is understandable. Uh, all right, so that's interesting facts about Netherlands. Thanks, Cohen. I appreciate your message, mate. Uh, Red Swede, thank you as well for your comments on YouTube. Uh, he saw the uh, time-lapse video from Tasmania that I did, mm. and he said, I think I've just put that on my bucket list. It's a shame it's on the other side of the world. <laughs> Uh, still awesome. Thanks. Good to hear from you, mate. Jodes, he's still out there, still bringing the goods. Yeah. And uh, he's probably going to need some kind of intervention now because not only did he discover our podcast and then totally binge on them, but somehow he stumbled across the YouTube channel and now he's binged on almost every video. Yeah, right. <laughs> this poor guy. Uh, but appreciate it, mate. Always appreciate your comments and your support. I had an email. I think this is the first ever email I've had from anybody because usually it comes through social media. Okay. Terry, thanks so much for your email. She sent me an email to ask, what is that app that you keep mentioning? I didn't quite catch the name. Um... She's talking about Topo Maps Plus, T-O-P-O-M-A-P-S, and the plus symbol. Two things I want to say about that. Firstly, thanks so much for just jumping in and dropping us a line because it gives us the opportunity to, to give you the right information. 
and uh, also tells me that maybe I need to be a bit clearer about what I'm saying. <laughs> and then the other point I want to make is the show notes. I don't stop talking about it, but I know what it's like to listen to other podcasts and think I'm going to have to remember that website or that reference or whatever and then not remember it later and have to scroll through an enormous amount of audio. You can go to hikeordie.com. You can click on the podcast page. It will have all of the uh, episodes listed there as hyperlinks. Click on whichever episode you're interested in and it'll have links to those sponsors that we have. So you can just go through there and get to their websites. It'll also have links to the podcasts on all the different mediums that we provided on. And last but not least, it'll have a pretty big list of the sorts of things we talk about through the news and uh, all that sort of stuff. Oh, Craig, it just came back to me. I was going to ask you, I saw your comment on Facebook uh, about the mountain lion attack. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was the feel-good story that I was going to go back to. Do you enjoyed it? That dude, (laughs) he just stares down the camera and just tells it as it is. Like it ain't no thing. And I thought, yeah, man, he was pretty cool that he, he, he... he manhandled this this mountain lion and lived to tell the story. Yeah, it's funny because since that time, some people have come out and said, based on uh, the the carcass of the mountain lion. So this trail runner was attacked by a mountain lion. Uh, go back to episode twelve. We delve into it. And the show notes for episode 12 will have like a seven and a half minute video of the yeah. press conference. Watch that video. It's a cool video. Eh? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. He, he's he's a cool guy. Uh, yeah, so a few people have said, oh, it, you know, it was just a juvenile and it wasn't a big mountain lion and everything. And, and I'm thinking, just can you just shut up? It A juvenile mountain lion with its fangs through your hand uh, it, it doesn't. It's almost worse because it it doesn't understand that it shouldn't be messing with something that big. Right. I, I, who cares how big it was? Yeah. He he says in that uh, press conference. He says he he shows how big it is physically with his hands, but he says, "Oh, I was. It looked to me like a a smaller one because I was worried, worried about that the mother might turn yeah, up. Yeah. So he's he's not trying to." This guy's not trying to claim anything at all. He's He is just such a cool dude. He's not trying to be a hero. And he says straight out, it was small. But I don't care. That's like saying, I went surfing and only a small shark bit my leg. <laughs> oh, I went swimming and only a small crocodile bit me around the head. I, it doesn't matter. It's a freaking wild animal. It doesn't matter how big it is, right? Oh, man, I think the he had The thing was trying to kill him. Yeah. He had the right to do what he had to do. Yeah, he dealt with Far it, man. Out. These people sitting on the couch and spitting potato chips everywhere, like <laughs> having a go at him and using their greasy Cheeto dust-covered fingers to try and type in some 
troll message on YouTube. Oh, I didn't know people were having a go at him, man. I thought he probably had his uh, place to stand. I thought he was... Oh, that's my opinion. He does. Forget about him, mate. You did well. That's it. But it's a cool story anyway. It's a good video too. For sure. Yeah. Excellent. All right. <laughs> uh, quickly back to the shout outs. Thanks for KB um, on YouTube. Uh, yeah. Real simple comment saying that they're enjoying the content. I appreciate it. That's it, buddy. I think it's time to to jump into this uh this the main part of this i don't even know what i'm trying to say i'm glad that we're done and dusted because i've got nothing left (laughs) (laughs) your words are broken they're breaking that's for sure i've already used them up so this is a couple that um i met on on a hike i think we worked it out i was talking to them during the week and i think we worked it out that it was uh, about for almost exactly four years ago i think it was and we've stayed in touch ever ever since and we've been i've been trying to hook them up for a podcast for a while but they're they're busy people in a nutshell they quit their jobs sold everything and packed everything in the back of their little four-wheel drive and went out for a year of adventure and that was four years ago, and they're still out there. Yeah. They've got a great way of telling their story too. They oh, are magnificent. Obviously talented in words and images. Yeah. They, um, they have a uh, – obviously I'll, I'll put the links everywhere, but they have a website um, called awildland.blogspot.com, I believe. And it's very special. It's good. Um, Kaz takes fantastic photographs and Chrissy, his partner, couples them with descriptive storytelling. It's it's a match made in heaven. So they talk about some amazing places and it makes you want to go there. Yeah, so we'll stop telling you what they're talking about and we'll let them tell you themselves guys i hope you enjoy this episode uh this uh, interview as much as we enjoyed uh recording it there's probably not many times in my life that i've ever said that uh any particular person is the salt of the earth but these guys are as real as it gets they're absolutely wonderful people and I don't have anything else to say, but but let's hear it, eh? All right. Enjoy. Hello, Tom. G'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. <laughs> That's good. Hey, um, I'm here with uh, my mate Craig. Hey. Craig. Mate. Hey, Craig. Hey, Craig. I can hear you guys really well, so that's perfect. Excellent. We completely forgot about daylight savings. <laughs> yeah, so did I in the, like, the last message like I sent. I wonder why we're, why we're hassling them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all good. It's all good. It just occurred to us about 40 seconds ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> like, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no dramas. Uh, all right. So how you guys been? All right? Yeah, good. Yeah, excellent. I've... Um, <laughs> 
I have told the story before. Um, I mean, we just spoke about it briefly the other night about how we met, but yep. I'm just going to quickly touch on that now for the listeners who maybe didn't hear that podcast. And then I'd be interesting to get your version of events as well. <laughs> <laughs> so my memory was on that particular afternoon that we met. So this was on the Overland Track in Tasmania. And yep. what that yep. must be around about the day five mark. Or, yeah, about the day five mark, I think, from memory. Yeah, it'd be pretty close to that. Yeah, and I skipped... Um, I think it's called the Bert Nichols Hut, which is um, it's the one before the the Pine Valley turnoff. And so I skipped that. So it was a long day anyway. And then I skipped that. And then I took the side trail to the Pine Valley Hut. And it was about halfway into that that I realised I'd bitten off way more than I could chew. And I started getting pretty delirious and swearing at myself and sorts of things and it was freezing cold that afternoon with a bit of rain coming through and um, then I just remember turning up to this tiny little wooden shack in the middle of the forest almost like um, from some fairy tale and it was dead quiet everywhere and I just opened this creaky wooden door and there's you two guys just sitting at the table having a coffee. And I just remember, I'm sure you said something like, oh, come on in, mate. We just started the fire. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just uh, one of the best welcomes I've ever had. So thank you. Yeah. Pleasure. Yeah. It was, was a nice little hut. It was. Nice hut. That's a, that was a cool little hut. We're not going to get there really this time. It's really tucked away, kind of, and like surrounded close by forest and yeah. deep and dark. And yeah, you don't know you're you've made it until you're mm. right on top of it, right on the doorstep. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Which I think's part think, of the appeal. But of course, it's set within the sort of like the rainforest area there as well. It sort of gives it that sort of enchanted sort of uh, feel about it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, so yeah, that's that's how we met, and then we bumped into each other again the the following day, and and then we had a, I think we shared a burger together on at the end of the trail as well, which was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is you, cool. You you had the cabin with the log fire and the hot showers, and we were still in our tent. Yeah, I had all those things. Down. I thought. <laughs> I always thought, I uh, always regret not inviting you guys in to sleep on the floor. <laughs> I always thought, that's such nice people. Maybe they'd want a hot shower or something. <laughs> but I reckon your bed was all right because you didn't make it up in the morning for the, our little uh, no. photography uh, morning. Oh, yeah, sunrise. you totally called me out. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah Kaz did say... Um, hey, get up early and we'll take some shots down at the lake. And I said, sure thing. And then um, that didn't even get close to that. <laughs> it was a good the day. Cur the curtains were still drawn on the cabin and uh, there was no movement. <laughs> Fly was still on. <laughs> hey, it had a spa, didn't it? It did, yeah. I remember. Yeah. I, you know, I was so um, dirty from that uh, seven because I did a extended trip. So I did – side trips and then I did uh, 
the extra two days. Oh, you guys did the – you walked out as well, didn't you? You didn't get off at – you didn't use the ferry. No, we walked uh, no, down. Yeah, you we walked down because that's yep. how come we yep. were at um, – at that little halfway down the lake. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Echo Point. Yeah, yeah, Echo Point. Yeah, so um, yeah, by the time you've done that full amount, uh, and I think you guys did an extra few days through the labyrinth, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, we we spent a fair bit of time up there just sort of um, just checking things out and also did a little ascent of the Acropolis. Oh, that's Mm. right. I remember that. Yeah, so I basically I got in and scrubbed – all the dirt off myself and washed my hair. Then I got back out and I let all of that disgusting water out and then I filled it up again and had a spa. (laughs) 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 So there's a little pro tip for all you hikers out there. (laughs) So how how do you guys describe yourselves? Um, How do you describe what you're up to? I think it's fascinating and I've, I've briefly kind of filled Craig in on everything, but I did put him onto your website as well. But how would you – when you run into people now, how do you describe what the what the heck you guys are doing with your lifestyle and everything? Oh, we oh. don't often because people kind of don't understand. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, <laughs> people say, where do you live? And we're like, well, we don't really live anywhere. anywhere. But they're like, you must have a house. We're like, no, we don't have a house but you must live somewhere it's like no we don't live we we live in places for just small periods of time so like now we're here at Gloucester so we're actually in a house for the first time for a number of years most of the time we'll just sort of float about and just live out of our car and our our tent and and just cruise around and explore places that's insane yeah, it's awesome. That that was my first question anyway. You've taken that one, so that's good. <laughs> so that's only been for like the last four years. Hey, we, people have we... trouble doing that for four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so we were kind of normal people once. We had regular jobs and uh, regular rent and we lived in a flat and, you know, had all those sorts of regular things and then decided we'd, um, sell everything that we, you know, like basic stuff, sell all our furniture, give away everything and just keep our adventure gear and we packed it all into a little tiny RAV and took off for what we called 12 months, our year of adventure, Jeez. to pack in as many adventures as we could in that 12 months. So we did um, – we started by um, actually doing a cycle tour. We were living at the time in Coffs Harbour, so we rode our bikes from Coffs to Newcastle via the mountains, Dorigo Armadale down the back way. Yep, I remember that story. Yeah, then straight after that there was good um, good rain and water, so we went and did a whitewater rafting trip on the Shoalhaven for 10 days, yeah. um, just the two of us. That was, which was awesome. That was, was that the one? Was that the one that went over New Year's? Was that that one? That was the one that was in the wild mag that you. Yeah. That oh on yeah. The train gave you. Yeah, that's right. I've mentioned that yeah. on the podcast as well. What what yeah. a small world! How that loops yeah. back around. Mm. Yeah. That was absolutely yeah. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it was a it was an amazing trip. You know, it was just the two of us, and we're just out there for ten days and. It's just awesome scenery. Like it's this 
amazing gorge, but some pretty serious sort of rapids down there as well. So for probably about out of the 10 days, about four days solid, it was all this serious sort of, you know, scouting rapids. Can we run them? No, we can't run them. Okay, now how are we going to get our raft and gear down there? Do we line the boats? That's using sort of like a rope to push the boat down the rapid. Or do we completely portage around and carry it around? around, Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, it was only us. You know, you you sort of had to make those decisions and, and make the right decisions as well. Yeah, so it was like this full, full, big full on days too. Of, yeah, yeah, it was sort of mentally and physically, it was you know, it was a challenging sort of trip. But within that, those four days were really challenging. Hmm. Yeah, I, I actually got a few questions about that. Can I backtrack mm-hmm. for a second and yeah, yeah. ask about that time when you were normal? And <laughs> and uh, what you, you said you both had day jobs. Um, Chrissy, were you writing full time at that at that point? Is that what you were doing? No, I was writing part time. Writing so part time, okay. I worked, yeah, so I, I'd work part time. I'd work three or four days a week just doing admin work. Oh, okay. To pay the bills and then um, and then doing my own kind of writing on right. the other three or four days. Yeah. Yeah, and Kaz, what about yourself, man? Uh, I was working for a sort of uh, an earth moving company, but they had a sort of like another sort of company where they do sort of demolishing and uh, recycling all the sort of um, good demolished sort of material out of houses, like all the old hardwood frames, you know, oh, windows, yeah. doors, kitchens, I stuff see, like that. So, I can see how uh, you yeah, got that would've... job, mate. You're you're a bit of a unit. You probably didn't even, <laughs> you didn't even need no, a machine, yeah, we... did you? <laughs> <laughs> It was good, you know, we could smash these things up and <laughs> pull them apart. Oh, great. Okay, so, yeah, no, totally, was, totally unrelated. Was, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was sort of good for the environment as well because it's all, uh, you know, most of the stuff we try to recycle. So yep. I, I actually like that sort of side of the work as well. I will just but, jump in, though, and say before that, you know, to give Kaz's outdoors some context he was a whitewater raft guide for like 15 20 years was when i said before i wanted to ask that Mm. question i was going to skip back and say now tell me about how the heck you guys got so good at whitewater rafting Mm. yeah so he worked for yeah on nimboida river and the franklin and the upper murray and the guider guider and oh wow Uh, lots of rivers it was yeah fun times and great and yeah, that's that's pretty much how I love the outdoors. Do you I always wanted to do it. Actually, to go right back, how I actually got started rafting was years and years ago. You know, a lot of things that sort of um, you, know, you see or stuff that sort of happens that change your life. And I was reading an outdoor magazine. This is when I was probably only oh, 17, 18 or something. Yep. And seen this article on the Franklin River and just read it, you know, I was fascinated by it and thought, oh, wow, yeah, that's pretty awesome and that'd be a great thing to do maybe one day as a sort of job. Never thought I really would, but, yeah, eventually did and loved it. And, hmm. and yeah, still, still do it, you know. We've still got our own sort of uh, whitewater raft. So yeah, that's when awesome. The, when the rivers are on, we're, we're sort of out there sort of chasing the water and, Having fun. That's cool. 
Um, was there a definitive point? Was there a catalyst? What What was this point where you guys made this big decision? Well, what I guess um, normal people consider a very, very, very big decision to just sell up and, and get into the outdoors permanently? Um, not a particular moment. Um, Kaz has got a daughter and she'd grown up and um, she'd lived with us for year 11 and 12 and had gone off to uni um, and was pretty, like, established. So there was that freedom that came with um, her being really independent and we just kind of went, you know, we're getting older and one day, <laughs> one day we're not going to be able physically to do some of this stuff. Yeah, you must so, be coming up to your 40s now, you guys. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> quite, yeah, yeah, something Plus a little bit like more. that. <laughs> <laughs> but we're still out there doing it. That's I amazing. know, you, you're so, yeah. out there doing it big too. Mm. And look, we didn't, um, you know, the, the, the paid jobs weren't necessarily career jobs. We were working jobs. They were just jobs. Jobs and, to, just yep. to bring in money so we could just go out and play and have fun. So even when we were sort of working, you know, we used to have a thing every second weekend we'd be out adventuring. We'd do an adventure. Yeah. And then, then we had this – we weren't quite getting enough, so we'd do sort of these little midweekers. So we'd actually go out after work and you know, go out in the bush or out in that, some headland or the, down the beach and sort of bivy out and sort of ride into work the next day just to make it feel like that we'd been out there. <laughs> the micro-adventure. <laughs> yeah. 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 A, little, a little Thursday yeah. night special. Specials, we call them. <laughs> <laughs> and they were great. No? We used to just pick places and... It just sort of charges your batteries and just keeps you going. Just, yeah. You, know, you guys probably know it. If you don't do it for a while, if you're not out in the bush or, you know, you get a bit flat and you just need that sort of charge up. Yeah. Just, you need to get out and about. And as I was speaking to you earlier on the week, though, the bush just brings in a bit of magic. It weaves this little spell on you. Yeah, it certainly does. It, it's uh, – and I mean, the, and the comment that I made back to you was that um, – there has to be some remedial uh, part of the um, just sucking in that much pure oxygen, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. a bit. Apart from yeah. the fact that you have to disconnect from everything else, which I think is a blessing. Yeah. yeah. And there's just so many cool things out there, whether it's, you know, plants, animals, or other stuff you see, views, or you know, stuff that you'll just find along the way. Hmm. We do lots of you know, off-track sort of stuff, so it's all it's all really good because it's a bit of a challenge, and and yeah, sometimes it, you find really cool stuff, and other other times you don't. Hmm. Sometimes Sounds... you fight really fight really hard for the for the kilometer, and sometimes it's just so beautiful and easy. And sometimes when you fight really hard, the things you find at the end, you just don't feel that much more spectacular because you've worked so hard to get to them and see them. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's something about arriving at a place that you know that you can't drive to um, and yeah. that, that maybe, without exaggerating, maybe 99.8% of the population wouldn't be physically capable of reaching either. Capable of doing it, yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. 
I um I've really enjoyed looking at some of your pictures and some of your adventures, guys. Um, I thanks uh, for sh- thanks for sharing thank that you. stuff for a start. Thank you for do, reading. Yeah, yeah. Do you do, do you sometimes wonder whether it's um like do you do you to- toss up with the idea of actually keeping them a secret sometimes and not sharing them <laughs> for everybody else? Uh, there is a few little secret ones. I yes. bet there is. Craig, I've, met, I've met these guys, mate. They're sneaky ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, and there's a couple. There's yeah. a couple that we've sort of put on the blog. We've sort of uh, haven't stated exactly where they are either. Yeah. So right. there's a there's a one or two sort of waterfalls that are pretty amazing. Right, and people have asked us where they are, but we we just say, well, they roughly know the national park, but we just tell them to go and find it. Yeah, good <laughs> on you. Right, that's we're great. not telling. Because you tell too many. You know, sometimes with social media and stuff like that, everyone can start going there. Then it creates more tracks and exactly, yeah, and, yeah, and the place sort of just goes to pot for a better word i suppose yeah it's 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 a sad um result of that's the effects of social media at the Mm. moment and and you know the the truth is there's enough secret spots out there for everybody to go and find their own um you know craig and i got a couple of our own but i think uh the slightly lazier people out there just see a photo and go right where's that tell me exactly where it is i'll go there and job done but that I think they're missing the point, and that point is of not knowing that it's there and then discovering it. Yes. Yeah. So one of the things we've always tried to do is, particularly with some of those special spots, but really with most of the blog posts, is we don't write them like track notes. We really just want to try and give a, a the story of, of what we experienced and what the place is like. So we try to try to talk about the environment and the, and the things we found and saw and how, mm. how the walk was rather than saying, turn left at this tree and no, turn, no. You know, you, turn your right stuff is far superior to that, Chrissy. Like yeah. it's yeah. way better than that. that that's why we it was have, in a magazine, not because it was track notes. <laughs> we have had a couple of funny, so we had one blog post that was up there for a while um, on Mount Murchison, which is a stunning um, walk in Tasmania. Not something yeah, on the west coast. Yeah, oh, not many yeah. people yeah. sort of know about it. It's 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 a track. It's it's you know you can follow it, and there's a logbook at the start of it to sign in. But um, it just doesn't have a lot of signage, um, and it's it's a challenging little day walk to the summit. And we managed to. We just decided that we'd like to camp up there, as we often do. We've no idea. We'd, we'd not heard anything about whether there was a campsite up there. We just put our packs on and set out for an overnight walk and just thought, well, you know, you always usually find something. So off we went. We had this walk and it was amazing. We did. We um, ended up finding there was actually a local photographer up there who gave us a bit of a tip about where he reckoned there might be a good campsite. So up we went and kind of ventured off track a little bit and found this amazing campsite and just had the most incredible experience overnight, beautiful scenery, stunning sunrise with, you know, this massive vista to the um, east of Cradle Mountain and Barn Bluff and was incredible. And so when we wrote the blog, we talked about this secret campsite. Mm. We got 
that many inquiries because it had the word, word secret, secret in it. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, wow. it was like a red rag to a ball. It was yeah. like everyone was just sending. We got so, and the most amount of messages in, of all of our blog posts. Can you tell us where the secret campsite is? And we're like, well, it won't be a secret if we tell you. And <laughs> we actually had a guy ring me at work. I was at work and he's ringing me from the summit. And he said, I can't find the secret campsite. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Can you tell me where it is? Does look a bit harder? <laughs> yeah. Do you so know what a secret is? So we took the word secret out of that story and we haven't heard <laughs> another thing from it. <laughs> wow. Isn't that incredible? That's a great social experiment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just one word. Yeah. All right. I'll make sure I don't do that in our blog post, Craig. <laughs> if, I, if I do, I'll put Craig's number on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. Ah, oh, but it's great. Like on social media, anyway, just to to see your staff and similar sort of. Uh, you know, roll through your feed, and it just inspires and kind of motivates people to to just get get outdoors. So, I, you know, I encourage yeah. people yeah. to yeah. to look you up anyway. And you know, yeah. I'm sure that's what we want to do. We just oh, want to make oh. people get out there, have an adventure yourself. It doesn't matter if you find the place we went to. It doesn't matter if we've been there or someone else has been there. You will find something amazing yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, the weather could be amazing on that day, or you know, the yeah. sunrise could be amazing. Well, you know, yeah, and a kidna walks across your path, or a spotted quolls playing outside your tent. You know, it's yeah. just you can have all those experiences wherever you, you know, just go somewhere. You just could get run out into me on the trail. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm big, big strapping spade bearded hipster, <laughs> sipping my latte. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, as I said earlier on in the week as well, for lots of people, you know, time's pretty, they're pretty time poor. So it, that doesn't matter. You don't have to always go for the, the big trips or anything like that. You know, some of our best trips have been really short trips, uh, just like a little overnight or somewhere. Yeah, you know, I, two, two well, days, you know, because you know most people only got weekends, so yeah, you, you can fit a fair bit into two days. But yeah, you I'm don't totally always have to go that. hard and fast and you know big distances or anything like that. You just pick a bit of a spot and get out there and explore. Yeah, I think there's I think, a, a. I think a lot of people overthink it as well, especially if they're kind yeah. of new to the whole concept of whatever it is: camping, four driving, hiking. Canoeing, it doesn't yeah. matter. I think they think, well, if we're going to do this trip, we need to do it big. We need to plan it. Uh, it mm. needs to be long. And what they don't realize is um, these smaller trips, they're the ones where you can make the mistakes and, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. buy the yeah. crappy uh, sleeping mat that um, mm. gets a hole in it the first night. But you're only out for a night. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. You're not out for matter. seven days. So yeah. you make all the mistakes, make the adjustments, and then and gradually build up to it. Yeah, that's right. You learn each time you go out. You always learn, I think. Yeah, yeah it's the learn. best fun. Yeah, we still learn. We, you know, we go out lots and go all sorts of different – by different means, whether it's bike or walking or rafting, and you still learn. And a, and a good way is, you know, to, to talk to – people from that that area or uh, you know someone from a club or if you're not sure and mm. there's different ways of finding out information you just got to be sort of a little bit flexible and yeah spread your wings a little bit and 
do that little bit more sort of research. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely found in in the the hiking realms or or any of that outdoor stuff, if you run into somebody and and start having a chat, they are. I mean, mm. you've already pre qualified that you're probably going to get along because you're both hiking or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. and they're usually pretty good at at sharing information. I know Craig and I yeah. definitely are because uh, I don't know. It's 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 different to a lot of other how would you say pastimes or sports in that um yeah yeah even surfing i i spent 10 years uh living in noosa and and surfing you know three four times a week and you definitely there'd be a bit of a thing where you wouldn't tell many people if a certain spot was going off you just wouldn't mention it but you'd just take you and two of your mates and go there (laughs) but it's different it's completely opposite and and i think that's why i'm attracted to it so much as well Mm. Mm. That's that, uh, you know, that self-sufficientness of bushwalking as well. You know, everything's just on your back. You've got to carry it everywhere. And you know. yeah, I think there's something in that. Something pretty special mm-hmm. in that. Mm. What's yeah. the um, uh, the work that you're doing at the the moment? I think you might have said the words outdoor education or something when we spoke earlier in the week. Yeah, we're both uh, working down here at uh, Gloucester in a place called uh, Barrington Outdoor Adventure Centre. Okay. And midweek, uh, we do lots of uh, schools, so that, that's outdoor education. Yep. So that'll be a range of activities from walking, abseiling, high ropes, kayaking, canoeing, uh, rafting. Mountain biking. Mountain biking. Yeah, so... <laughs> Sounds and they'll awesome. sort of, but yeah, and they'll do sort of different trips. Sometimes you know they're five days, sometimes they're three days, and they'll have varying sort of activities. And Not- then on weekends, um, we do commercial guided tours, and also sort of like higher. The main thing down here, or historically, has been um, whitewater kayaking on the Barrington River. So. Okay. It's a really great little river to start on, lots of grade one, grade two um, rapids and so lots of people come here to sort of, you know, start kayaking and learn their skills. Oh, Unfortunately, we've um, not had a lot of water. <laughs> so oh, right. The weekends are a little bit quieter at the moment in terms of we're not paddling at the moment, but yep. hopefully. It's sort of been everywhere yeah. sort of uh, this summer. It's been quite sort of dry, so. Hasn't been even on some of your bigger rivers around that they haven't even had much water as well. So mm. yeah, so that's affected business a little bit. But sometimes you know they'll just come and have a bit of a abseil. But the company runs a little campsite there, there at um, on the Barrington River. So if we're not sort of doing all those different activities, we sort of um, help run the campsite, do the do the lawns and toilets and bins and. That's, uh, Regular normal people with jobs. <laughs> <laughs> you reckon if Craig and I kind of dressed like a couple of school kids, we could sneak in with one of these groups? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, <deal. laughs> hey, you guys started telling us some of your stories earlier. Um, maybe, yeah, for our listeners, where in Australia has the best walks? Which state is the Ooh. number one? Oh, wow, you're going to stir up some. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, Craig's, Craig's a bit like this. You've got to watch <laughs> yeah. it. 
He's not interested well, if people are fighting. There can be only one. <laughs> well, I reckon there's like great spots all over Australia. I probably that is so diplomatic. I knew, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I, I should give Australia a bit of a plug because we're a big sort of nation and there's yeah. great diversity and great walks. But we, we will we'll nail a few for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you ever get the chance. I rate out at Alice Springs, the West McDonald Ranges. There's a trail out there called the Larapinda, if you ever get time. Oh, I know Absolutely. people have done that. 223 kilometres, you know, 19 days. Have you done it, Tom? No, no, I've got, I've got friends who have done it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it's just, just gorgeous out there. Just 19 days, of a night, you can actually nearly hear a pin drop. It gets that quiet. It's just this eerie quietness. And mm. then dingoes and just the stars and and just the scenery because there's not heavily forested like you know, here on the East Coast and along yeah. the Great Divided Range. Uh, there's smaller trees, bloodwoods. And yeah, that's an interesting and point. different stuff. Mm. So you get all these sort of big views, and there are actually big mountain ranges there. They run sort of uh, east-west. Okay. And, yeah, people think out in the middle of Australia is sort of flat, but, man, it's it's got some good stuff going mm. there. It's got some beautiful one, canyons and gorges and wildlife. And, yeah. and on the Larapinda, you're sort of up and down and in between two ranges, the Heavy Tree Range and the Chewings Range. I rate the Chewing track, Chewings Ranges. It's, it's awesome. Right. If I had the opportunity, I'd go out and do some more exploring out there because it's – it's just just got this great feel. Okay. About it. All right, Craig, write that down quickly, mate. Yes. Number one. Yeah. <laughs> number one. <laughs> All right. No, it's pretty diverse. Give, hey, give, the, the country where Australia has got so many different different sort of. Oh, uh, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Landscapes. And I think I think we don't um, sometimes appreciate it in a way. Like people like to you know, think of other bigger mountains or overseas or you know, even in some of our magazines. Yep. If you have a look at it, we'll have a lot of overseas content within those magazines and little bits of Australian content. But yeah. it's an Australian magazine, so you should really back your own. Yeah. You know, like if you looked at a US magazine, it would be lots of US stuff and they might have something, say, on Costa Rica or some other, you know, place close by yeah but that's a fair call it's almost i feel like uh i've definitely since i've got involved in hiking i've seen a growth within australia but we're still miles behind uh the states you know that they just it's such a popular pastime i think um in australia that beachside uh camping or even just going to the beach on a weekend is a massive thing and people, as you say, they kind of discount the the mountains and all that sort of stuff. But uh, I I totally agree with you, mate. There's there's a ridiculous amount of biodiversity here and mm. change of terrain. If, if you think about for a second that, um, you know, there's potentially quite possibly some snow on some peaks somewhere right now. Yeah. Mm. Uh, up here in up here in Brisbane, we just got smashed with a tropical storm yesterday. A massive storm that that mm-hmm. shut down trains and everything. 
you guys yeah. are down there saying you're not getting rain. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just it's all over the place at the same time, and uh, there's a lot to see. Yeah. So uh, to answer Craig's original question, I'll let our readers, our blog readers, give you an answer. So we've got like about 115 stories on there, so oh, from yeah. all over. From oh, all you over got some statistics. Country. I've got a few stats for you. <laughs> oh, so you're going to love this. So number one oh. all-time favourite story. So the blog's been going since 2012. Right. Yeah. Is the Steamers Main Range National oh, Park, wow. Queensland? That, oh. I've uh, I've got them on my list for to do very soon. I was hoping to do it this winter. Yeah. Ah, uh, still. Yeah. It was great. Awesome. Yeah. It's not and too I think far. There's from not us. a lot of no. It's really no. close, and there's not a lot of information on the internet about it either. Um, no, that's what that makes it pretty least. cool, I reckon. Yeah. Because yeah. when we first went there, we actually went up the wrong mountain. <laughs> <laughs> We come in there, didn't have much idea. We walk up this mountain, we're going, oh, they should be here somewhere. Oh, look, there <laughs> we've got a bit of a view and there they were across the, the next sort of little valley. <laughs> <laughs> so we got there the next day. <laughs> uh, notch that one up to experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so the, number, is there a number, number two? two. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, great. This is good. Number two is actually Gloucester Falls, Barrington Tops National Park. Wow. And then number three, Walls of Jerusalem in Tasmania. Oh, now yeah. that. Yeah. Have you ever looked on uh, Topo Map at the terrain of the – so for our listeners out there, the Walls of Jerusalem, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, runs kind of parallel to the um, – Cradle Mountain National Park, where the Overland mm-hmm. Track is. Yeah. Yep. So if yep. you have a look at a topographical map of the Overland Track, and then glance over to the right where the Walls of Jerusalem is, it is insane. It goes from <laughs> crazy to some other planet like the Moon. There's so many lakes, and I don't even know how you'd traverse through that. Yeah, there's a beautiful. It's a beautiful, easy walking track. It's like a three to five day loop walk that you can do. Um, little side trips that you can do. But when you stand up on one of the mountains called the Temple and you look sort of slightly southeastish, it is just a plateau of of tarns. It's like silver coins. They're all like little silver coins, just you know, just light reflecting off them. Wow! Spread all over this. That's that's this what you can see in on the topo maps. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is stunning. And you can actually walk from there then into the Cradle Mountain as well. Oh, yes, I've noticed or, that. Or uh, I think some people actually walk sort of uh, south and down towards near Mount Ida, down oh, okay. Lake Sinclair. Mount Ida's the real pointy one, if you might be remember it. Yeah, when we're I do. at uh, Echo Point. You look yeah, I remember that the one. lake to it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. Tassie's just a... Just a beautiful island. It's probably home to really uh, great bushwalking. Yeah. I am just going to mention, I'm going to just give a a mention to the one that comes in at number four. Yeah, that's 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 fair. That's fair. (laughs) Because it holds a very, very special place in my heart. Okay. Um, It's called Glenifer Falls and it's in Dorigo National Park and it is one of our sort of hidden spots. 
There's no track to it. It's quite hard to find. And it's where Kaz and I went on our first date. Oh, wow. <laughs> there you go. Very nice. Did and that, did that really rate as number four or did, did you just yeah. keep ranking it up no. yourself, Chrissy? <laughs> <laughs> just kept rereading it. <laughs> no, you, yeah. I use a different computer every time, so I look like a different <laughs> reader. It's my favourite. Oh, this, this is adorable. But, but yeah, it's, it's a great little uh, walk. So it's probably about a two and a half to three hour rock hop up a river called the Never Never River, which is just uh, crystal clear, even after heavy rain, and that it very rarely runs sort of um, dirty or brown or anything like it, because it's uh, just all rainforest catchment up the top and. And the waterfall crashes down off the uh, Dorigo Plateau in uh, several sort of uh, falls. And it's just a pretty awe-inspiring view from once you get uh, near near the bottom of it. At it. And you've got all these pools along the way and big boulders to climb around. It's just, yeah. One of those real wow moments. One yeah. of those, you, you get to a certain point where you've kind of been rock hopping up the river for, for a long time and and you think, wow, it is really beautiful. And then you, you've got to clamber up a couple of um, small cascades up the side of them and then eventually you sort of walk up onto this rock and there's this massive waterfall just pitching off the escarpment in this down this big crevice and you just kind of stand there and go, oh, wow. Yeah. Just takes your breath away. Yeah. There's a certain amount of weight that comes with you guys saying that it's a wow moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I've heard people drive up to a car park and walk 20 metres to a lookout and say wow. wow. <laughs> but but when, when you guys say it, I mean, people should really take note. And Chrissy, those those four that you just mentioned, they're all they all have articles, don't they? Obviously, that's where you're getting the stats from. They you've, all have what, though? You've written an article oh, about each oh, one Oh, yeah, of yeah. So they're all on the blog. Yeah, yeah cool, yeah. right. Because yeah. um, what I do, and people probably get sick of me saying it every damn episode, is I do a, a page on of all the show notes. So anything that's kind of mentioned, I'll go in and put links to it. So, uh, yeah, so people trying to drive at the moment um, and write all this stuff down one-handed, they don't need to. <laughs> I'll, I'll go back and, and put everything in there and, and make sure I backtrack yeah. and capture all of that. So, uh, in fact, I'm going to go back myself and read them all because these are good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So have you guys uh, had any mishaps or uh, – Oh, good question. Well <laughs> – I don't know if it is a good question. But do oh, you have I any... had the same question, so oh, I know. must be a good question. <laughs> um, mishaps or um, sort of dangerous insects or uh, funnel webs, you guys are down that way. I don't know. What's happened? Yeah, we've had a few, but uh, Chrissy likes to tell this one, so I'll, I'll pass it over to her. <laughs> <laughs> it's fairly recent. Um, so we, there's a, a couple of stories on our blog again about a place called Axley Gorge. Um, it's incredible country um, up on the New England tableland just outside of Walker. So it's a big 70-metre waterfall, Apsley Falls, yep. and below that um, the gorge runs for about five kilometres or so downstream. Um, the access in there is really um, challenging. You, you kind of stand on the edge of this gorge and you've got 180-metre cliffs from where you're standing straight to the riverbed below. Wow. And so you kind of stand there and go, how do we get in here? It looks completely improbable. 
So the access ridge is kind of tricky and, and difficult. Um, we've been in there three times now. The first time we went in to travel down, we wanted to travel downstream through the gorge. So the first time we went in just totally freaked me out. It was incredibly challenging. The country was wild. We were we got down to a, a small little waterfall that we had to climb down and there were rocks kind of it's a really it's a living landscape it's just like the gorge is still forming so it's quite crumbly there's rocks kind of rock falls all the time we didn't have helmets that trip um we're standing there and craig was or kaz was ringing rigging up a um a rope to help us down climb this small waterfall and as i'm watching in this rock about the size of a watermelon just went <laughs> straight into the pool right behind him wow and i'm like Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that was like oh, this place, was, it was freaking me out. So I said, look, I'm really uncomfortable. We don't even know what's downstream, whether we've got enough rope and stuff to get keep going. So let's go home. <laughs> so we turned around. He talked me into at least sleeping down there one night, which was crazy. But anyway, we climbed back out. We went back in about um, – Oh, two years later, we went back with a friend of ours and we managed to complete the trip in a full day. Um, it was a big, exhausting day, but it was really amazing. It was such a cool adventure. Um, we got down past the little waterfall. There was one more waterfall. Um, and then Kaz dropped his camera in the river. Oh, no. I've been, <laughs> been there, mate. I can sympathise. <laughs> Yep. So we'd done two trips down there and we had no photos past this one waterfall and oh. the rest of the gorge is really spectacular. So, of course, Kaz is like, we have to go back because this is what I do. I get photos and so in we went again um, a little while ago and the night before we went in, there'd been a – we saw – it was a nice night. We camped out, slept out, no tent. There was a storm flickering off in the distance, but it was all good. We went into the gorge, um, took our time. We took three days' worth of um, gear so that we could take our time going down. It's only, You can do it as a day trip, but we wanted to take photos. And as we were swimming through the last, that pool where he'd lost his camera, you know, we were making jokes about, okay, here we go, let's get some photos, don't drop the camera. Maybe we'll just stop for lunch quickly before we go any further. So we threw our gear down in the middle of the river. We're sitting there having lunch and Kaz jumps up and says, I'll um, just grab a couple of photos. And I'm sitting there, I can hear this really weird noise. It's like uh, like a frontal wind, like a big storm coming. Yeah. Big, big sort of roaring noise. Oh, I know where this is going. Around oh, no. and there's no wind. <laughs> And I look upstream and I can see the water coming no. and I just jump up and yell at, Cray, at Kaz and just say, there's a flood coming, grab everything, flood coming. And we just grabbed as like I grabbed my backpack, raced it up to the side. This is a gorge as well. So we, we kind of yeah, you were lucky. Yeah, you can't get the, too high, yeah. No, we were lucky that we had a bit of a scree slope that was beside us. Yep. Um, a little bit of a cove kind of thing. So we grabbed our gear, um, one backpack up, and then came back, got the next backpack. Kaz saw the water, started coming and helping. It took two minutes from being a dry riverbed to being two metres deep. 
wow. where we've been sitting. And a raging sort of raging. Uh, river that was just, you know, just as mad as hell and wow. yeah, just crazy and yeah. And as Chrissy said, you know, as she is sort of cliffs and we're just sort of lucky in this spot and we're you lucky that we could get, you know, say three meters, four meters above the river. Yeah. So we we spent a pretty uh nervous little night there because there was more rain during the night. Oh, and wow. then the rest of the story, and then the rest of the, how the story ends, you'll have to wait because I'm going to try and sell it to a magazine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, what a tease. What a tease, yeah. <laughs> oh, and you've probably turned away about um, 200 people just getting into hiking. <laughs> you yeah. that story. Like, I'm never going hiking. It's the most dangerous thing. Uh, uh, look, no, there's a look, really yeah. good community service announcement in there, and that's don't ever hike with you guys. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't don't sleep in riverbeds. Craig and I have done it. We've got away with it. It's yeah. oh, it's it's just not right, is it? You, you see, that's the, you guys are the first um, Australians that have ever told me a flash flood story. I've I've never yeah. heard of one here. So. Uh, that's you know I'm going to take note of that. Mm. Yeah, like, like I tell people, you know, I've been around rivers for 30, 20, 30 odd years, and I've never seen anything like it in my life. I've seen rivers come up quick, yeah, but you know, nothing like that. It was just, it was pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty that's beyond intense. <laughs> Jeez, well, thanks for sharing that. I mean, those I imagine the noise of it would have been scary. Oh, yes. The noise, the smell, the just oh, there was logs, there was all sorts of stuff coming down in there. Yeah. It was amazing. Mm. It was. We got back to work after that was just like a weekend trip. <laughs> they were like, "Oh, how is you? Uh, Where weekend. Are you oh, yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, yeah, good. Well, Thanks." There's, there's <laughs> a um. There's a particular author I listen to, and he he has a podcast, and he has this um this kind of a, a sliding scale where he says that uh, I've, I've spoken about this before on another podcast but basically um, the the closer you come to to some adversity like that the more memorable the experience is and the longer you'll remember it and the way he explains it is like for example if you pay to go bungee jumping the effort required to get to that uh, level of excitement is minimal, yeah. but the excitement is big. But then it was just a bungee jump. But the, yeah. the stuff you're talking about is you work hard to get there, and then things don't go as planned. But you're still talking about it, and and the way you tell that story with such vigor is is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's still very fresh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I want to go again, but Chrissy reckons she'll sure. never go in there again. <laughs> that was it. It's done. Third time in here out. And, yeah, three times. But but I must say this area, like it, to walk down in and be in amongst these towering cliffs, it's if you're in a wild place, it's it's, it's as wild, wild as it gets anywhere around pretty close where we're living at the moment. Awesome. It, yeah, mm. it's just crazily beautiful and there's a really nice gorge rim walk that's not at all risky and it's got you know 
beautiful little walk for people who don't need to experience what we experience. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you when you sell this to one of the big magazines, you're going to let me know. Yeah. And Good. I'll mention it on the podcast and I'll have a link to the magazine. That would be great. Yeah. Cool. Good. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, now, I wanted to – you touched on it there for a second, Chrissy, but when you said it's what Kaz does and that is his exceptional photography, it's – can you tell us about how that came about, mate? How long has that been a passion? Mm. Uh, I think since I first got uh, my license and car, I was sort of heading off into the bush. So I always had a sort of camera there. I never got taught anything about photography. I just sort of grabbed the camera and just, you know, just it was the old uh, film cameras and just used to get them processed and just look at them, you know, and just try and work out what I'd sort of done wrong and just sort of reading a little bit about photography as well. So. Yeah, and just slowly sort of got better and better over the years. And, yeah, it's just become a, a passion and a, and a hobby. And, yeah, the camera's sort of like a water bowl, Melly. Everywhere <laughs> I go. Guys <laughs> with you. Yeah. Yeah, there's um, – Yeah, it's... and it's good. You, you sort of uh, – I think you, you've got to really look around – at your surroundings and, and develop your eye. So you know, I'll be driving along in the car and I'll be just looking out and you know, if something will get me, I'll, I'll always say to Chrissy, oh, that'll make a good shot. So you're forever looking at things hmm. yeah. for a shot as, as well. Yeah, a light bulb moment in my own photography journey was only really uh, in the last year where I realised instead of, taking a photo at something to try and actually convey some kind of a story through that one photo. Yeah. And yep. uh, when I think, when I switch that around in my head, I automatically take better photographs for me at least. Yeah. And you've got to have a bit of a feel for your environment as well. Sort of for me, I always like to, we don't always do sort of uh, big distances hiking. You know? We like to sort of get in there set up a bit of a camp, then I'll sort of start walking around and, and just searching out little little spots and I'll wait until the light's really good and and shoot in the afternoon or maybe you know, early in the morning I'll get up and, and sort of go out there. So you always sort of, uh, I think the more time you spend in a little spot, you'll develop a better appreciation of it and you'll you'll see, see things more. Yep. Mm. Just so you know, I have got up early to take photos. Just to be clear. <laughs> yeah, just want to be clear about that. Yeah, uh, that's good. Once or twice. <laughs> yeah, at least once or twice yeah. I have done that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's hard yards, you know, like getting up in the middle of winter, you know, and you're in your, you know, your down bag, and it's as warm as toast, and that's the last thing you want to get get out, and it's you know frosty outside and freezing, but yeah. Just, just do it if you force yourself to do it, and yeah. Almost, very, very rarely is it not worth your while. And if you don't get the shot of your life, you're still up and out when all the animals are kind of moving about. Moving about, yeah. You're always going to win. Yeah, that's a great time. Yeah, early morning. I think it's probably one of the best times. Yeah, I agree. I I noticed that about your photos, actually. I have to say, I was having a good look through them again 
um, this week in preparation for the podcast tonight. And I did something that really resonated with me was the lighting a lot. Like every single photo I thought, okay, that like that cliff is on fire. Like he's waited until the sunset or the sunrise and, and uh, it's, it's admirable to see that patience because some people won't appreciate the effort that you've gone to to take that picture. Yeah, and then walk yeah. home in the dark. Yeah, that's yeah, really- walk home in the dark. Or <laughs> <laughs> we'll go back to the tent and wake Chrissy up. See, <laughs> we had um, he does often come back in the dark, and and I have to say, effort is is his secret. I mean, you, as someone who's there with him, the effort he puts in, physical effort, is you know is part of the secret. But we did have one camp when we were travelling on our year, um, our year of adventures. We, Kaz decided it'd be a really cool idea to sleep on a salt lake. <laughs> <laughs> so we walked off. Blame it on onto Kaz. Salt lake, <laughs> <laughs> and just headed out into the flat salt and camped on it for the night. And he wandered off at dusk to take photos (laughs) and then it got dark and he couldn't see where I was. (laughs) It's completely flat. There's no distinguishing features. No. So I just stand there like a little lighthouse with my head torch. (laughs) (laughs) Signaling him back in. But the photos, there's photos on the blog and they really are spectacular. They're worth the the effort. You must be doing doing something right, Kaz. For her to 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 stick around and do stuff like that for you. <laughs> oh, we're a team. We're a team. <laughs> Takes two to tango, but yeah, uh, like it works in well with with Chrissy's right maybe with the photography. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's off taking photos. It's my time to sit there quietly and, and put my thoughts down. So oh, it's a perfect it, partnership um, yeah, from a reader's well. perspective. I I uh, loved it. And, and I'll, I'll just quickly touch on that story again that um, when I was – somebody lent me a magazine and I w- was was reading through it. What was that called? Is it called Wild? Yeah. Yeah, w- yeah. Wild magazine. Wild. Yeah. 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 So I was yeah. reading through this magazine that, that somebody lent me, a guy that I catch a train with. And I read that this article and I thought, this is awesome. And I'm flicking through and I'm looking at the pictures and – um, I got right to the last paragraph and then I always do a quick skip down with my eyes and see who wrote the article just because I'm interested. And And I looked at the name and I thought, why does that sound so familiar? And then it just clicked and I thought, oh, this is ridiculous. Like I've met these guys. <laughs> it was crazy, such a small world. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, fantastic article. Well, it's looking really good these days. It's got a new it owner. Is. And, yeah, so. Yeah. Oh, I love that magazine. I've been, yeah, reading that for a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I read it as younger. I always, uh, you know, when I first picked it up, I thought, how I'm never going to get in that magazine. That's, <laughs> that's, where, I, that's where I'm at now. I'm uh, (laughs) just um, thinking, okay, how long until I can get to that level (laughs) so I can frame it and put it on the wall? (laughs) 
Um, I wanted to, this is a bit of a loop back, actually a big loop back, but when, when we're talking about the, um, the education, the outdoor education with kids, I've got um, three boys, as I mentioned uh, to you guys during the week, and yep. you see a lot of school kids come through. Is there any, do you guys see a transformation within that short amount of time that you spend with these kids or talk us through that, that. Um, sometimes you do, other times you don't. It just depends on the kids, the schools, uh, the teachers as well. Okay. Uh, a lot of sort of factors which sort of influence it. But I think the more they're out there, the more time they're out there, so on the longer ones, they'll come away with better outcomes. better outcomes and better skills. I see. As I, as I say to them, you know, you're teaching all these different skills and, 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 you know, they're all at varying skill levels, whether it's, you know, being on the mountain bikes or in the kayaks or anything like that. But they're all definitely going home and taking away all these skills and some skills that they probably don't even know that they're taking home as well. And I tell them, you know, probably two, three days after you've been home, you'll appreciate this camp more than probably are when you're out here now. Because with lots of them, you know, they've never been out camping before, especially if they're sort of younger kids, you know, year seven or year eight or something like that. Yeah. City kids, yeah, they've never been away from mum or dad or anything like that. So yeah, yeah. they're, they're lucky to run into you guys. I can tell you that. Like you guys are really um, accommodating, and you know your stuff. And I, I just think that uh, I'd happily send my boys off to spend a week with you guys because I know that that you'd really nurture that interest. Yeah, and I think it is. Yeah, I think uh, it's good for kids to do. Outdoor education. I think all kids should do it. All schools. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Should be part of a yeah. standard curriculum. Yeah, because yeah, it can just change kids. Some kids that aren't that good at school, you know, they get them out on camp and they they rep in it out there. Yeah, year year ten for me had a four week um, outdoor outdoor education section. I think it uh, yeah. meant so much to all of us. Actually, it was great. Four weeks. Yeah. Great, yeah. A lot of the we do are just sort of you know, two to five, three to five days, probably. So the but, five day ones are better. Yeah, the longer the better. Yeah, I I went to a different high school to Craig, but a lot of my friends. That's how I met Craig. Um, a lot of my friends went to his high school, mm. and yeah. heaps of those people have stories and good stories about their experience out there. Yeah, it's very special um, how they do that. So. Yeah, uh, the each each home class or there's four classes in the school, so each home class gets four weeks outdoors. It's awesome. Yeah. What sort of activities did you have to do? Yes, everything from high ropes to there was canoeing, there was uh, three day hikes, and um, yeah, there was a, everything from abseiling and yep. you know the yes, yeah. and so we just stayed stayed in dorms at the at the camp, and then um, you'd go out and do activities. It was awesome. Yeah. No, no, con- no contact with home or uh, anything like that for for a while. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. You know, it gets kids off all their sort of uh, electronic devices. And, you know, totally. You know, use their phones. And, and yeah. Where else is there's no reception out there? So even if they do give them a oh, phone, even better. Yeah, they can't. Um, no, 
call home or you know get on Facebook or whatever it be. One of the interesting things is that um, a lot of the instructors or guides come back saying that one of the activities the kids really struggle with is occasionally we'll do solo time. Yeah. And that's like, they're like, but what do we do? What do we do? Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's only half an hour or an hour or two hours and they really panic because they're not used to being unplugged yeah i did not know myself until i did a solo canoe trip uh prior to when the solo hike where i met you guys and yeah wow did i learn a lot about myself and 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 spending time with myself it's a unique experience yeah it's 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 equal parts scary i remember being um apprehensive and anxious and all these all these other kind of feelings but uh once you start to to embrace it i think there's a lot to be said for that yeah definitely did you notice a difference in your feelings in daylight and nighttime that's an interesting question yeah i handled the night a lot better than i anticipated a lot better uh obviously i was doing long days in the canoe and so I guess I was sleeping really well, but I late afternoon for me was that anxiety time. Have you got everything set up? Have you got your hammock ready? Is mm-hmm. is everything ready? Because once the sun sets, uh, you, you know you, you you're gonna have limited light, and so I'd feel a bit anxious around that time. But um, strangely enough, I didn't I didn't have any kind of um, fear of the dark on that trip or, or really any time since but and that's unusual I, I was I was anticipating that especially on the first night but didn't happen how, so. So if, how did you feel about meeting the challenge of the trip on your own like not having that friend there to you know when you start getting down to well you know, I'm a pretty I'm a pretty stupid guy, so I go into things like this without thinking about that first. <laughs> so and then I find myself in this situation, and that is uh, the number one thing I learned was uh, when you're with somebody else, you've got a soundboard. You just turn mm-hmm. around and go, "Hey, mate, do you think we should um, have have a break now or have a break in half an hour?" And mm. you've just got that person to check with. Every single decision I made. Uh, had to be my own and I had no other opinion of what was a good idea and that that scared me in a few in a few places for sure where um, yeah there was a like this trail was closed because of um, uh, it was super hot and high winds and it was closed because of bushfires and I thought oh I'll, I'll just I'll just go check it out for a little while and then um, I ended up doing about uh, six or seven kilometers and and I didn't get to the point where I wanted to get to and then I just called it off and thought I'm, now I'm putting myself in danger I don't have anybody to kind of bounce this idea off and yeah it yeah. just got me a bit agitated and um, I, I got it got easier but there was one point where I was standing there Chrissy and I was after about a solid three minutes 
I realized I was just standing in the one place looking at the ground, <laughs> trying to decide, <laughs> do I make my campsite 10 meters that way or 10 meters that way? And, <laughs> and I just, and I swore, I swore out loud and just said, you idiot, just make a decision, any decision and stick with it. Yeah. So, yeah big, big learning curve. Yeah. And I'm, I found out I'm not a very nice person to be around, so I don't. I want Craig there next time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm conscious that we've taken up. You've been so generous with your, with your time. We've taken up a lot of your time. Uh, okay. I, I just want to kind of wrap it up with um, the again, Scott, looping back to that original original conversation where. There's people that have had the same thoughts of you guys about packing up and hitting the road. I know there is, you meet these people all the time uh, yeah. that entertain the idea. I've, I've only met one couple who actually did um, sell everything and they bought a, a big camper van and they're homeschooling their son and they've been gone for about six years now, I think. Um, yeah. just cruising around Australia and they, you know, not having any dramas at all. But, um, is there any, is there anything, I guess, to, to put it simply, is there any sort of advice that you give to people who are getting to that point where they're, they're considering this? You won't regret it. <laughs> yeah. Just do it. They won't regret it. What, what you got to do is take that first big step. Yep. And not be frightened of taking that first big step. Right. Um, once you're out there happening, you know, there's so much to see, so many people you meet. And, uh, it's just yeah, like this, this amazing ride that you're on. I mean, look, you have your, your highs and your lows like any any day or or week or you know, month. You know, you'll, you'll always be up and down a little bit and you'll have that on the road. But, yeah, oh, that's always... Always another day, isn't it? That's so cool. Sounds like it's definitely in your blood, guys, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I'm really glad that I've got you guys lighting up my news feed now. Thanks for sharing. Thanks. No and uh, thanks, yeah. for the, thanks for the chat tonight, too. No, pleasure. Yeah, and um, from me again, it was uh, an absolute pleasure meeting you guys all those years ago and we've been in touch ever since and I, I still thank you for the the warm welcome and I just needed that little bit of um, comfort, that little bit of uh, love on the trail and it was just so good to have you guys there. Mm -hmm. um, a, a poem I wrote about that hut experience ended up being displayed um, in the Antarctic Poetry Exhibition. Is that right? It got, um, yeah, it got displayed in the, the green room down in Antarctica. Yeah. Is there <laughs> anywhere that we can read that poem? I think there is. I'll try and send you a link, yeah. Okay. What about? Mm -hmm. Sounds good. You get, you get a mention. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't know this. <laughs> Well, I've got to see it. Oh, well, hang on. Maybe I don't want to know what it says. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all good. The spa, the spa room gets a mention as well. Who gets a mention? The spa room. The spa room. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so so you caught me at my, um, my sloth stage. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. 
All right, guys, I'm, I'm going to let you go. Thanks so much for your time. I've had the best chat. It's been good catching up with you guys again. When you're heading up this way again into Queensland, or even if it's northern New South Wales, um, give me a bit of a heads up, and uh, there's always a, a spot for your tent in my backyard. That's beautiful. That's where we're most at home, in the tent. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys. See you. Okay. Take Thanks. care. See you later. See you. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, we'd really appreciate your ratings and comments if you can spare the time. If you'd like to know more about Hike or Die TV and keep track of our adventures around Australia, make sure you drop by hikeordie.com. That's where you'll find all the information you'll need to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or Pinterest. As always, we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening.